Amen. What a tremendous privilege it is for us to be able to gather together to worship and to exalt the name of Christ, uh, to sing to Him, to uh, pray to Him, to just join corporately in such a manner as we have this morning, to recognize His faithfulness to us. You know, it is such a great privilege, and it is such a great opportunity that God gives us every week to come together as the family of God and to adore Him and to respond to His presence. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about that worship moment that God gives us. I want to talk to you about the heart that I think God wants to form within us to be a people of worship. I want you to take your copy of God's Word, if you will, this morning and turn to that 84th Psalm. That 84th Psalm, as we hear those who are on their way to worship, if you will. They're on their way to experience the very presence of God and how they reflect upon their journey, how they look forward to what God is going to do in their lives as they prepare themselves to celebrate the very presence of God. Listen at these first four verses in particular as the psalmist speaks and as he says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. You know, the psalmist, as they express themselves, they are so personal and they are so intense. We've seen that over the last few weeks as we've studied from the Psalms. We have heard their testimonies and we have heard how God's presence, how God's word, how God himself touches the recesses of, the, of each one's being. And here in this passage, you hear the psalmist once again speaking from his own personal expression, how he speaks in particular about longing for the house of the Lord. As you hear in this passage, I think a heart for worship. Now listen, as God develops within us a heart for worship, a heart for recognizing God and responding to his presence, we recognize that there is a desire that is involved, a desire to worship, a desire for worship. You hear it in these words. Listen to what the psalmist says. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Notice, my heart and my flesh cry out. The language that he uses is intensely personal. He's talking about his life, his soul, his heart, his flesh. He says, everything about me desires to be before the courts of the Lord. It is an inward desire that he has to worship God. Now listen, all of us have inward type of desires. We, there's something in our lives that we particularly want at a specific moment in our lives. For example, maybe right now, let me ask you, what, what one thing would you want right now? Right now. A short morning service? Did you say that? What would you want maybe right there? There's just something right now that you would want. Maybe it's not just for the moment. It may be for the day. It may be for the week. Let's say you just want a day off. You'd just like to have a day off, 
a vacation day. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe you just like a trip somewhere. Maybe you like just to go out of town for a few days. Maybe, maybe you'd like a lemon ice box pie. Maybe you would like, there's something in your life that you say, this is what I desire, this is what I wished I had at this moment. There's an inward desire that I have. The psalmist says, if I'm thinking about things, if I'm thinking about all that this world offers me, he says, you know what? I am thinking about the house of God. I am thinking about worship. I'm thinking about coming before your presence. I have a desire, he says, to enter into your tabernacle, into your presence, and worship you. It is an inward desire. It is not manufactured. It is not something that can be impressed upon from the outside. But rather, it is something that begins inwardly. And it is an expression and response from our heart, our desire. An inward desire, an outward desire. An inward desire from our heart to express ourselves outwardly with the other people of God. Notice here, as he's speaking about worship, he is speaking particularly about corporate worship. He's talking about the courts of the Lord. He's talking about the tabernacle. This is the idea that the worshiper is going up to Jerusalem and he is going to enter into the temple complex and he is going to worship. There is an, an inward desire for an outward expression of worship. He's going to gather together with other people. And that is his desire. That is his heart. Do you have that desire to gather with the people of God? Do you, do you have that? I mean, and, and, and to be quite honest, there are certain moments in our lives that that desire probably burns more passionately than it does in other moments. But at this time in your life, do you have a desire, do you have a heart to gather together with the people of God and worship? And worship. Some of you know that one of my favorite places on the planet is Disney World. It's called the happiest place on earth. And when I'm there, I'm one of the happiest men you will ever find. Especially when you can, when everything coincides and comes together and the, and the stars align in such a way that you're there on the same day that Ole Miss, Ole Miss beats LSU in football. It's a great, happiest time that you'll ever experience being in Disney, seeing the other things. That happened, by the way, last football season. But it was happy. It was a happy moment. You know, usually when we go to Disney World, though, my family and I have been blessed to make a few trips down there. It's probably sad and embarrassing on how many we have, but we usually would leave on Sunday. We usually do. I, I like to leave on Sunday afternoon so that the following Sunday I'll be off because there's no way you can really prepare a message when you're in Disney World, Okay. Not a spiritual message, I'll be honest. Not, so, so I like to be off the following Sunday. So we usually, for some time now, the trips we've made, we'd always go to church on Sunday morning. And then right after that service, we would leave and we would drive as far as we could. In most cases, we could drive all the way. Now that we're a little farther removed, we drive part of the way. Do you know how distracting it is 
to preach and worship on Sunday morning when you know you're leaving for Disney World right after that service. I'm just being honest with you, okay? It's rather distracting. Sometimes your focus may be misplaced. You know, I, I, we have everything together. We know that we're leaving that Sunday. I mean, we have everything just set. The kids come to the first service, obviously. They will, uh, they'll get prepared during the second service. They'll get everything together. Leslie will have the kids changed. She'll have them in the car. She'll have sandwiches prepared. I mean, I'll tell her, I'm not going to the back and speak to people that day. No, no offense to anybody, but I'm not speaking to anybody. We're getting on the road. We're trying to get out of here. We're, we're going. At one point, when the service was 11 o'clock, I could guarantee you that I would be on the road by 12.23 p.m. That was the goal, 12.23 p.m. We'd be out and we'd be gone. And that was kind of the, the focus. That's the, the things that we'd want to do. I'd run back. I would change in my office real quickly. We'd get in the car and we'd go. It was great. I mean, we look forward to it. We look forward to Disney World. I mean, we would have the countdown on the calendar. We'd know this is when we're going to go. We were all excited about it. We, were, we enjoyed it. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that in particular. Nothing wrong with that, I don't think. My kids love it. My family loves it. We enjoy it. But I will tell you that I came under conviction. And that is this. Am I equally as excited about God's presence and his worship each and every Sunday morning as I am Disney World? Now, some of you are like, oh, now you've been too hard on yourself. You're being too spiritual. You've been reading the scripture too much. You need to get out in the real world. There's nothing wrong with enjoying going out and, and, and having such a vacation and taking your family. But get this. Here we are sometimes so caught up in those things, thinking about the desires of our hearts and our lives that we forget that God wants to, he wants to nurture within us a heart for worship and desire to be with him. Listen, this morning in this place, think about this, how incredible this is, that you and I can come together and the presence of the living God is here with us. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered, there he is also. So here in this place collectively, corporately, as we gather together, here is God's presence that we can enjoy. And I think that's really what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, I want to come together in your courts. I want to enjoy the presence that only you can give, and I want to enjoy it with other people. Now listen, this does not dismiss nor exclude our individual worship experiences. We should have individual worship experiences. We should multiply our relationship with God by worshiping Him and adoring Him individually in our lives. We don't have to worship just here in this place. We don't have to worship just in the gathering. We can worship individually in our lives during the week, and I hope we do. If we don't, we're missing out in that relationship that God wants to pursue in our lives. With that being said, with that being said, what this psalmist is speaking particularly about is the corporate time of worship. Coming together with other children of God. And there's something that's dynamic about that. I say we should have individual moments of worship. But they should not take the place 
of our corporate times of worship. Rather, they should flow in to our corporate times of worship. In other words, my individual worship during the week, it just prepares me for the great Super Bowl moment of the week when I come together with my brothers and sisters in Christ and we worship together. And there should be something that is so significant and empowering about a corporate worship service. There's something that is added. There's something that is different about coming together as God's people. Certainly, I understand that there are some who physically cannot come. I was rejoicing this morning, by the way, rejoicing here in the sanctuary to see some people who have been out for a week or two or some other issues going on in their lives, and they're here back with us today. I am so thankful that God has allowed them to be here this morning to worship with us. And I understand that sometimes physical limitations will keep us from coming and enjoying the corporate worship moment. I understand that. But do you recognize what a privilege and opportunity it is for each one of us as God's children to come into this place as a family of God and to again sense His presence, understand the manifestation of His presence in our lives and to be able to corporately, together, respond in such a way. It's nice for some of us to sing individually. For some of us to sing individually. It's nice. But isn't it much greater to me when there are many voices mingling and uniting with one another to exalt the Lord above? It's great to pray individually, and so should we. But isn't it great that all of us can gather our hearts and minds together and focus for just a moment, knowing that each one is in agreement, each one is unified, taking our petitions to God. One group, united, together. Isn't it great that we can read a scripture together like this and that we can focus our hearts? Maybe our hearts have been all over the board during the week and we've thought about all kinds of things and some of them could have been good biblical things that we've thought about. But just for a moment, just for a moment, all of us are united in thought as we hear the scripture, as we hear God's word. Isn't it awesome to know the empowerment and the blessing of God that can come to get, come with the people of God corporately worshiping together. I think that's what he's saying here. The psalmist, he says, my soul, my heart, my flesh, my inward desire is to worship you, God, and to experience that worship in a corporate context again basically going there in that temple going into that area recognizing that God's presence was there and the people of God coming in and out the empowerment that was there he says 
he says he is envious of the birds themselves. Verse 3. He says, even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Notice that he says, I am envious of the birds that can build their nest in the temple complex. They can build their nest here, and they can just stay here. And they can engage in worship continually. Now, this was written by, as you see, the sons of Korah, or far the sons of Korah. If you identify that group of individuals, most likely they had come from the Levites, which had helped in the worship of the temple. They were like worship leaders, if you would say it that way. And uh, here they are, worship leaders who are singing, who are thinking about God's presence, who have led other people into God's presence. And they begin to think about the birds, those who have nested in the temple. They've probably seen those nests and, you know, just reflecting upon it, thinking, you know what, they're here all the time. They get to enjoy your presence all the time. They get to worship. They get to join the chorus themselves and sing to you. It says, I'm envious of those birds. Now, again, some of us, you know, we get here on Sunday and it's kind of like, now, when does service end again? You know, we got to get out because, you know, and I, I know, I know we got time constraints and we got things going on. We got Bible study and Sunday school. I, I know we got all those things. But may I just say to you, it's okay just to slow down every now and then and just enjoy the presence. Just, just enjoy the presence of God. Just enjoy the corporate work of God among his people. It's fine to do that. As a matter of fact, we should. Instead of being concerned about what comes next, let's be worried about what comes right now. As we experience God's presence, he says, the birds, they are able to just stay there and enjoy the presence and sing and worship in such a way. See, there is something, as I said, that's just dynamic, different about the corporate worship and the privilege and opportunity that we have to come together. We, we should never really take it for granted. We should never forsake these kinds of moments when God allows us to come and to worship in such a way. I am thankful for different types of ministry. I'm thankful that we do have a television ministry and 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings there are people that can, uh, can watch it if they can't come here because of health or other limitations or maybe it's Maybe they're just at a difficult time in their life and they haven't found a church home. I, I'm thankful that at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings they can, they can see our service and they can experience uh, some form of worship. But may I just say this? I, I just want to say this as sensitively as I can. You and I will never know the fullness of a relationship that God has with us. We'll never know the dynamic power of worship itself if we're totally relying upon a TV. We're totally relying upon some other media outlet. There's something that's different, isn't it? About coming together personally, relationally, to hear God speak and to see God move. There's something about that. 
I don't want to chase too many rabbits here, but I'll just say this. Also in the times of need, which we'll see in this scripture in a moment. In times of need, the television, the media, those kinds of things, they'll never be there to wrap their arms around you like you need them. But you know what you can find in a worship event? In a place where there are brothers and sisters in Christ, people that care and people that love and people that are there to worship and have that same desire there in that place, you should be able to find people that will extend that compassion and that love one for another. There's something about it. There's something about the corporate worship moment. I think that's what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist says, how lovely is your tabernacle. It's for the courts of the Lord that my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. There's a desire for worship, a desire to worship. And there's also a determination to worship. If you look through this psalm, you'll see a determination. Verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. They, the rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. They, there is a determination to worship. They are determined. And notice here he says, there is a determined pilgrimage. Basically, what you have described for us are those individuals that live outside of Jerusalem, different places among the nation, and they make their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. And it doesn't matter which direction you come from, you're always going up to Jerusalem, the way Jerusalem is situated. They come up to Jerusalem, and it's a pilgrimage. And it is a pilgrimage. I mean, could you imagine that you've got to get everything together and get prepped, and you've got to go to Jerusalem for this worship event. Think of all that would be involved. Think about the rugged territory. Think about all the things that you come in contact with. You've got to get to Jerusalem. And yet they were determined. Why? Because they were burning in their desire to see God and to experience that corporate worship. So they were determined to worship. Determination. You have to be determined to worship him. Especially on Sunday mornings. Why? Because if it can go wrong, it will go wrong on Sunday morning. Many of us, oh, I can see it now. Testimonial time. I think some of you just clued me in for the very first time. What do you say about Sunday morning problems? Yes. Sunday mornings. At my first pastorate at Canaan, just a small church and just out in the country. And, and uh, sometimes I would go out and I would sit on the front porch kind of. And I would just, I had the rails going down. So I was, I was somewhat obscured, you know, because of the rails. People couldn't see me. So, well, and I would just sit there and I would watch people pull up. And it was, it was really interesting just to watch the interaction of people in their cars before they got out of the car. It was awesome uh, to see the mom and the dad talking to one another, to see them talking to their kids in the back seat. I, I don't know exactly. I was, I, you know, 
I, I can't read lips, but I came pretty close to hearing some of the things that were going on. And, and, and then when the car open, door opens and they get out and they walk up, it's kind of like a different person than what you saw in that rearview mirror, you know? I was like, I used to laugh at them. Now I empathize with them. <laughs> Life is different now. But, uh, but you know, I mean, it, it can. There's so many things. There's so many things. But I think we need to have a determination to worship. I, I know there's so many things, but there were so many things back then. There, they had to travel. They had to. They had to get across the terrain. They they had to face all these different obstacles. And yet, they still came to worship. Because what it boils down to is what's important, right? Isn't it important to you? It goes back to that inward desire. Are you burning to come before God's presence and to worship in such a way? Now, I'm thankful today you know, there's not the centralized sanctuary. There's not the temple itself that we have to go to. I know you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. I know that we are. But there's something, again, about going corporately. And today, corporately, as I said, you don't have to go up to Jerusalem. Now, we are so blessed in the United States of America, especially, let me just say this, especially in Ruston, Louisiana, you can find a church. You can find a church on every corner. God has made it so easy for us to join a family of God and worship. And yet so many people, so many, do not make it a priority. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. We need to be determined in our pilgrimage. We need to be determined, I think, in our prayer, too, that God would just allow us to experience His presence. Verse 8, it says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Notice, it's like a prayer that's offered here to God in the context of this worship event. It's like, God, hear us. God, hear my plea. Hear my heart. God, I'm determined to worship you. But God, I want to pray that you would just manifest yourself to your people. When was the last time before you came to worship that you just said, God, today, today we pray that we would see a great and wonderful manifestation of your presence. I know some of you do. I was making rounds beforehand and two specific people told me that they had prayed for me by name specifically this morning. Do you know how encouraging and empowering? And I know some of the rest of you probably did too. But I was challenged by this. I was challenged personally of where I just prayed that God, today, this moment, this time, we would hear from you and we would see. It's not just a time that we go through the music section and we go through the scripture section and we go through the... God, we don't want to just go through things. We want you to go through us and we want you to transform us. And God... Would you speak today? They were determined in their prayers. They were determined in their praise. So as far a day in your courts is better than a thousand. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. He's determined to praise him, to seek his blessing in that moment. Now let me take you back a few verses. It says, as they made their, valley, their pilgrimage that they would go through the valley of Bacah. That word, Bacah, so that valley, it means weeping. Weeping. It says, even as we go through the valley of weeping, we're determined to come because we believe, we believe that we will find blessing in your presence. And he even talks about how the springs will run in the valley of weeping, how there will be life and refreshment and renewal, how the rain will cover it with pools. This barren place, this place of weeping, will experience the blessing of God. And how this psalmist and all of this chorus together can experience the blessing in worship. You know, I thought about that as I was reading through this, going through the valley of weeping to get to the place of worship. There's so many of us this week that may have gone through the valley of difficulty in our lives, and sorrow, and weeping, in some different ways. You know, as I look around this sanctuary, knowing people, know, knowing the physical health issues that so many experience, as I said earlier, there are some who are here today that haven't been because they've gone through some difficult health issues in their lives. To think about that. To think about all the things, maybe the test results that we don't know about, maybe the doctor's appointments we have coming up. We come here this morning with all of those burdens in our lives. Some of us who have experienced loss and death, some of us who've gone through relational issues, maybe with our children or our grandchildren. Maybe in our jobs, we have a lot of uncertainty. We don't know exactly what's coming this week in our workplace. What I'm saying to you is there's so many of us this week that maybe we got here, we were determined in our pilgrimage to make it here on Sunday morning to worship. And when we got it, when we came, we went right through the valley of Bacah. We went right through the valley of weeping. We went right through the valley of difficulty. But thanks be to God in his presence, as you get through that valley, the springs break forth. There is a pool of refreshment and renewal. There's a place of renewal. There's a place where God speaks in his own way to us during a worship event. Just for these moments, as God demonstrates his presence the weeping is transformed into joy. And that is the reason we are determined to praise Him. No matter what comes in our lives. Because worship and praise drives away, drives away the discouragement and the disappointment. No wonder he says, Lord, a day in your court 
is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the back. I'd rather have the lowliest job in the temple just so I could be there and experience who you are and what you've done. He says, better as a day. Just as later on the psalmist was said, the psalmist said in that 122nd Psalm, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. There was a joy because there was an expectation of blessing and life and renewal. Isn't that what our worship should be about on Sunday mornings? In the midst of all the discouragement, difficulty, the things that come, somehow through the worship event and our adoration of God, somehow all of that weeping is replaced by celebration. All of that despair replaced by hope. That's what we should see in our worship. We should have a desire to worship. And we, ha- we should have a determination to worship. When we come before him. May God speak to us in such a way today. And may he implant within us a longing, a yearning to seek him corporately. And may we be determined and committed to a life of worship, to those moments of worship that he has given us. Let's pray together. Father, collectively this morning we exalt you. Father, whether we're here in the sanctuary, we're up in the gathering, wherever we are collectively coming together now corporately, we lift our voices to you. And God, we praise you for these moments that we've had. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who are here. Thank you for the family that you've placed here. And most importantly, thank you for promising us your presence when we come together. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and lives this morning. Lord, that you would tenderize our hearts. That you would mold our hearts. That you would place within us, within us, a desire to come before you and to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray this morning that you would give us a sense of determination and commitment. And Father, that we would fall on our faces before you, recognizing you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, lift you to your appropriate place in our lives. Lord, I pray now during this moment of invitation reflection that it would be a moment, yes, a continued moment of worship and reflection and commitment. God, speak to us now. Continue to work within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.